I want to start this morning um, a little different. Um, I'm not going to start with a Bible uh, opening. I want to start with a kind of a, a story, so just bear with me. It might seem like a little bit of a science journey, but um, we'll get there. Does anybody have any irrational fears? That if you were to tell somebody, this is what I'm afraid of, and they would look at you and go, man, that's just, we got a couple of hands that are, you know, honest. That would, people would just go, man, that is just weird. You are, you are messed up. Like, what is that? Well, one of the irrational fears that I don't think it's too irrational. This one is more on the, I can understand this one a little bit. It is called, I'm going to mess this up, but it's thalassophobia. Does anybody know what that is? Thalassophobia. It is a deep, irrational fear of the oceans. The vastness and what may lurk beneath the oceans. Now, when I was a teenager, my dad knew somebody that lived in Maryland, and he would go out on deep-sea fishing trips. And he said, well, why don't you come with us? This is going to be awesome. Your sons will love this. Well, about a year before that, I went to um, Virginia Beach. My cousin lived in Virginia Beach, and when I was there, we went out on a fishing vessel, and we went probably 20 miles. So you could, you could kind of see land a little bit. You weren't 60 to 80 miles out in the middle of the ocean. But it was about 100 degrees, and we were fishing with squid, and it was literally elbow to elbow all around the vessel. And it was rough seas. It was going like this all day. I got so sick that I was, I'm never doing it again. I'm never going into the ocean again. You guys can have it. And so I developed a thalassophobia, deep irrational fear of what, not just what lies beneath the ocean, but what the waves and the power of the ocean. On March 26, 2012, at 5.52 Eastern Time on a Sunday, James Cameron, a um, filmmaker, scientist, arrives at the Marianas Trench Challenger Deep. And the Challenger Deep is the deepest part of the ocean. James Cameron did not have this phobia. He wanted to know what was really beyond reach of human hands. The ocean is, is deep, but the Marianas Trench is deeper. And within the Marianas Trench is what's called the Challenger Deep. And it's located in the western Pacific Ocean in the southern end of the Mariana Trench. It's approximately 35,756 feet deep. That's deep. The scale of the trench is hard to grasp. It's 120 times larger than the Grand Canyon. It's 7,000 feet deeper than Everest is tall. If you picked up Everest and dropped it into the Marianas Trench, Challenger Deep, it still would not be sticking out of the ocean. It would completely submerge Mount Everest. At that depth, there will be 15,000 pounds of pressure pressing down on every square inch of your body. Sounds like a great adventure, right? Who wants to go? Let's do this. But James Cameron had a desire. He wasn't the first one. They have... There had been men previous to him that have tried to, to venture down in this, but the science wasn't caught up yet. We didn't have the capabilities of doing this. The, he had to create a vehicle that could carry a man that far that would not kill him. 
It's about the equivalent of a hundred elephants sitting on top of you. Wouldn't be much left. Every day, the pressure levels hover around 15 pounds per square inch on an average day for us. But at this level, it's impossible to live. To be able to create a vehicle that would carry a camera in that far, it would take his team seven years to get every angle figured out to keep him safe. A lot of failed attempts. They would do dives. They would go down, you know, four miles and they'd have to come back up. And the, the goal was not just to go to the bottom. That was the start. But the goal was to adventure in the deep. Figure out what really lurks. Is there life down there? It, it's, we know more about the surface of Mars than we do about the Challenger Deep, the Marianas Trench. We cannot go there. It's impossible. But on this day, after so many failed attempts and re going back to the drawing board and figuring this out, this is the day that they're going to be successful. Reaching the bottom after a two hour and 36 minute descent. Can you imagine that with two hours going down in the ocean? No, thank you. You know, I don't even like to go to where I don't see land anymore. But, dude, you're going down. I mean, people go to Everest, and hundreds of people go to Everest every year, and they, 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 climb, they try to climb it. And some of them make it. I mean, it's dangerous, but it's nothing like this. But he's like, man, i got to do this. This is my dream. This is my goal. I've got to figure out what is down there. Somebody had gone almost to, the, to that far, but not totally. And they found a fish. And the fish was almost like a see-through animal. And they... They didn't even know what it was. You could see everything in its body. Things look different in the deep. And so Cameron's excited. And he's going, man, we're going to do this. And so they descend. They build this vehicle. They go all the way down to the bottom. And they, they're able to start adventuring and figuring out what's down there. They start seeing living organisms. These things don't have bones because bones cannot exist at that level. So... You see, there's a fish. I wish I had pictures. I would have shown them. But there's a fish that literally you can see its brain. Because there's, there's no light down there. There's no oxygen. They have adapted to the deep. They were actually born for the deep. And so what seems impossible for us, and is impossible for us to live, it's actually the most stable environment on the planet. The stable environment. That seems absolutely insane to us. Is where they thrive. They don't just exist. They thrive. And Cameron and his crew. They're, they're, they're starting to see and document. And, and figure out. Oh my goodness. There's a jellyfish that has tentacles that are miles long. There, there's, there's a fish that looks like a ribbon. There, there's a fish that, that swims and it goes straight up and down. And it's about that big around. And. And, and then the anglerfish, and I'm sure a lot of us have, have heard of that one. It's got the big teeth and, and the, those tentacles kind of shooting out from its head. And just a, looks like an alien creature. But in the deep, that's what it looks like. It's pressure. It's difficult. But to them, it's life. And on this day, James Cameron and his crew were successful. I want to talk this morning about waiting in the deep. Waiting, W-A-I-T, waiting in the deep. 
Ezekiel chapter 47, starting with verse 1. We're going to read through to verse 12. It says, In my vision the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Verse 3, measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for about 1,700 feet. New Living Translation. And then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. Verse 4, he measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. And after another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another, and the river was up too deep to walk across. It was too deep to walk across, but it was deep enough to swim in. Verse 6, he asked me, have you been watching? Have you been paying attention, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. Verse 7, when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from Engedi to Engleum. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. That in itself is a miracle. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. In verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. In this vision, Ezekiel, he is seeing this incredible, miraculous vision take place. He starts seeing the temple, and out of the temple is flowing water. But in verse 2, where it says, the, like a flowing water, it's more like a trickle. It starts as just a little bit. And he, he see, he's seeing this. But there, there's no way for this to really happen. Because there's, there's no, out of the ground, it's not coming. It's just coming out from under this door. And he begins to see this. It's just a little trickle. And then all of a sudden, it, it starts, he starts to, to follow it. And, and this man shows up, and he's leading Ezekiel. And as he leads Ezekiel, he'd measure out about 1,750 feet is what it comes to. And he would stop. And Ezekiel would go to that place and he would stop. That's where the river or the water would flow to and it would stop. And he would stand there. Started as a trickle. Then it went to his ankles. And the water kept flowing and he would go. And as he went, it got to his knees. He never would go further than the man that was leading him in this vision. He would go as far as the man would go, and he would stop. I want to thank God this morning for a man of God that has a vision. Because this summer is a summer of souls. 
Pastor Jared has been preaching it. Bishop Brown has been preaching it and teaching it. And I am telling you, I, I feel it. I believe that this, he's, they're measuring it out for us. Okay, this is where we're going to go. Okay, I'm going to go and follow you right here. And then, and then I'm gonna, we're going to stop. And then we're going to go a little further. And then we're going to stop. But we're on a journey somewhere. It may seem like just a little trickle. It may seem like just little ankle deep water. But you see, ankle deep water, that, that's, that's okay. But that's just the start of it. It's like the first time we get into the, into the church and we feel the power of God. You see, when you, when you go to a river or a creek or the ocean, you step in. Your feet get wet. You feel it. Oh, that feels good. This hot summer day getting your feet wet. Feels great. But I'm telling you, I'd feel better if you just keep going a little further. When it's 95 degrees outside, don't just stop with your feet. Let's go. Let's go a little deeper. To knee deep water. He measures it out and Ezekiel goes and he stops. Knee deep water. You see, this is where you feel the power of the river now. You, you, you don't just see it. Now you're engaging with it. Ezekiel had to act. In this vision, it wasn't Ezekiel, stand here and watch. I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring another man in here. These two men are going to do something, and you're just going to sit over there and watch it. No, Ezekiel had to follow. He had to act in this vision. And he goes into knee-deep water. And he's, whoa, man, I, I feel the power of this. this. This river is pretty incredible. If you've ever seen a raging river, you don't want to go too far out in it because it's going to completely take you away. So Ezekiel goes and he stops. Well, surely this is good enough. This is going to get dangerous, Ezekiel. So what happens? Water to the waist. And see, when this happens, less of you is noticed. People start noticing the water around you and not so much you. And you stop noticing so much of yourself. And suddenly, whoa, the water. You start really engaging with how powerful this force really is. You start understanding, man, I'm in something that, eh, wow, knee-deep water was pretty crazy. I felt the power, but now it's getting inside of me. I can almost feel it taking a hold of me. I don't want people to see all of me. If I'm going to follow God, I can't be satisfied with just experiencing a little bit of church. I can't be satisfied. And I'm, I'm teaching and preaching whatever to myself this morning as much as anyone. I felt the power of God yesterday. We were, me and my wife had a prayer meeting in our home. And man, we felt the power of God. But what I really amazed me is I felt the prayers of this church. You could feel the consecration. You could feel it. You see, we may not be living together. And we come to this building, the power of God is incredible. There's such a liberty because we're on a journey. We're waiting. We're, we're waiting into the deep. But I'm telling you, when we go home, it doesn't stop here. We're still waiting into the deep. We're still on a journey outside of this building. And as he begins to experience the power of this river. He's, he's up to his waist. And you know what's incredible? When you, when you wade into it like the ocean, if you ever go to the ocean and you go out into it, and up to, up to your knees, you're, you're not like, oh, 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 wow. You're not like gasping. You're just experiencing it down here. But once, you, once your waist 
It's like oh, hard to breathe. Whoa, whoa, what's going on? You start feeling it. You start feeling what it can do. So he keeps going. And what's incredible to you too is that this rapid increase in depth from a small trickle of a stream to ankle to knee to waist, all in the course of about a mile is an absolute miracle because we read nothing of any stream leading into this. It is a miraculous and abundant provision. Just comes out of nowhere and then about a mile. Wow. This is what it's turning into. Waters to swim in. He goes to waste, and the key guy measures it out again, and he, he goes further. Now is the real test, because your feet can't touch it anymore. You don't have the answers. You can't turn back, because the river that's flowing is going to take you. You might want to say, oh, I don't know about this. I, I, I made a mistake. I need to go back. It's too late for that. Once you launch into the deep, once you try to figure out what's back there, what's underneath there, it took James Cameron seven years. And he said, it's too late to turn back now. I've been in the ankle deep. I've been in the, I've, I've been to the drawing board, guys. But it's time. It's time to go into where it's deep because there's life down there. There's something waiting for me in the deep. Waters to swim in. In Psalms 94 or 95, 4, it says, He holds in His hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. Isaiah 43, 2, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Ah, you know, I'm, I'm telling you this morning, when, when I get into that place where my feet can't touch fear, anxiety, worry starts coming over me, condemnation can come set in, and all of these things can come against me, but if I'll just give in, if I'll just swim, if I'll just go with the flow, if I'll just go with where it's taking me, I don't have to worry because my God will not let me drown. He holds in his hands the very depths. But where does this lead, Ezekiel? This is great that, that you're, you're seeing this. But what happens now? We read verses 6 through 10. Ezekiel begins to see what this journey leads to. What it brings. In verse 8, it brings, we could sum it up by saying it brings healing. I'll read it again, verse 8. It says, Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. It will take something that seems absolutely uninhabitable, and it will flow into it, and suddenly, poof, it's inhabitable. Your walk with God sometimes during this time of consecration, it may feel like, man, this is what's it doing? Is it doing any good? I feel weak. I feel weary. I'm not. I just don't understand uh, my devotion. I'm struggling. I, I'm reading his word, but I, I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I'm praying, but I just, man, it's like I'm hitting a wall. What's going on? I'm telling you, it's flowing. It's flowing to a place. You may not be able to feel it exactly, but it's flowing somewhere Deeper. It's flowing somewhere deeper where there's healing. You see, God is not going to hang out in the shallows. 
all my life. He is a God of order. He's a God of let me take you deeper. I don't want to leave you the way I found you. I want to make you more. But I fear, I worry, what if I can't do it? What if I drown? What if something comes up that I can't overcome? What if I consecrate myself and I don't get anything out of it? Why is it getting harder instead of easier? It should be getting easier. Not not harder. Healing. Healing. Just hold on. Jeremy, just hold on. I'm telling you, there are people that are waiting in the deep. They're not standing at the bank. There are people that out there that are that are drowning in addiction, that are drowning in mental illness, that, that feel like they, they just can't keep going. How many got a testimony? We're no better than they are. I've been there. I know what, what some of that is like. God delivered me. And if he can go to the deep to get me, why can't he go to the deep and get those other people? But I have to be willing to go with him. Got to be willing to wait in the deep. Verse 9, restoration. He's going to restore. The Dead Sea is ten times saltier than regular seawater. Imagine that. You ever go swimming in the ocean and, and accidentally take a, take a, a gulp of seawater? No, it's not very good. It's estimated that in the whole Dead Sea there is 37 billion tons of salt. There's nothing flowing that they can't go anywhere. It's one of the lowest places on earth, actually. And it gets trapped. And so as the water evaporates, the salt has nowhere to go. So it actually just keeps, just stays there. It gets saltier and saltier, saltier. It's actually the best natural spa in the world. So if you, if you want to go to a spa, there you go. The Dead Sea. But in this vision, he sees this, this river flow through a desert and into the Dead Sea and suddenly fish are as, as if it's at the Mediterranean. They're, they're everywhere. There's, there's literally men lining the banks with nets. They, they can't catch them all. They're throwing nets. And, and there's nets that are actually waiting on dry ground. Because they can't get them all out of the ocean or in the Dead Sea fast enough to catch these fish. Summer of souls. Consecration. Wading into the deep. That's what's waiting for us. Man, I can't even catch them all. Can't even, what's going on? This is incredible, God. If you'll just trust me, I'm taking you somewhere. Restoration. Abundance, verse 12. Fruit and abundance for all who dwell around it. Trees will not fade. He'll give you abundance. He'll He'll give you produce. He'll take care of you if you go into the deep. James Cameron was was interviewed after this happened by the Associated Press, and he, they asked him, so what was it really like What when you went down there? What, were you afraid? What, what was in your mind? And he said, you know, it's in the back of your mind as you go down. If there, it was one mistake, one mistake, it will crush you like a soda can that you can crush in your hands. And he said, you won't know it. It'll just, poof, it'll just happen. And in the deep, there's pressure. So don't, don't think, wow, man, what's going on? I'm going deeper. Why is this? Because there's pressure down there. 
it's, it's intense down there. It's, it's a struggle down there. But if I'll just trust my God, it's the most stable environment. That's the, where we're supposed to live. We're supposed to thrive in the deep. I was not created for the shallows. I was not created to just swim around where it's comfortable. I was created to worship my God. I was created to launch into the deep. Come on, man. What, what, what are you doing? Oh, I, I love going to church. I love what I feel. I'm called of God. I, I'm good, man. This is awesome. Hold on. I thought this was a journey that you wanted. You said you wanted to be like me, Jeremy. Well, I do, but I, I mean... If I go out there, I can't see land. Those, big, those are big waves. It, the ocean makes boats that are gigantic look like ants. You can't tame the ocean. It's out of your control. And I'm looking out at that, and all I can see is a horizon. I can't see anything else. Just step out into it. Luke chapter 5, verse 4, the picture of the disciples. We see Peter. Peter is he's a fisher of men at this point. And he's, he's laboring all night, and he's doing everything he can to catch fish. Everything he can. He's a fisherman. He knows what to do. It's like me walking up to him being like, hey, dude, hey, you know what you're doing. <laughs> Go over here. Dude, I do this all the time. This is my livelihood. I know what I'm doing. Jesus comes to him and says, why don't you launch out into where? The deep. They call it deep sea fishing for a reason. When you pay a lot of money to go fishing, they, they, uh, they don't say, okay, we're going to go about two miles offshore. And, you know, sure, we can catch some fish there. It'll be fun. But that's not what you pay for. You pay for the 60-mile trip. Pay for the 80-mile trip because that's where the swordfish are. That's where the sailfish are. That's where the whales, you might see some whales. That's where the, the sharks, you could catch a shark if you wanted to. That's where they dwell. I don't pay somebody just to go. If I wanted that, I'd just go to the lake, get some bass or something. But that's not, that's not where they are. The big fish are in the deep. I don't have something super long this morning. But I believe that God is going to give us what he's promised us. If we could all stand. When Peter launched out into the deep and the, the nets were so full, they couldn't, couldn't contain it. They had to get other people to come in and, and help them. He goes to Jesus says, forgive me, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. And Jesus says, it's okay. You're no longer fisher. Fish. Now you're a fisher of men. New identities happen when you launch into the deep. There's new places in the deep. You think 35,000 feet deep. That's nothing compared to the depths of my God. He is, you can't measure him. You can't even comprehend. I can't even comprehend what my God is able to do. In John 4, verse 35, I think I gave you verse 36, Akilah, it's actually 35. It says, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white 
all ready to harvest. What, what's my job right here? Just keep your eyes on him. As he takes you deeper consecration, takes us deeper in devotion and praying and, and, and just deeper walk with God. I may not feel it, but if I'll just trust him, keep my eyes on him. They're all white, ready to harvest. 